Welcome to This Week in the Word. This is Dr. Ed Hill. On this podcast, we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You've joined us right in the middle of a series entitled, What's Next? Now, that's not a question. That's a statement. We are discussing prophetic things and what is in store in the future for planet Earth and the people that live on planet Earth. The title of today's episode is Preppers. You know, there are a lot of kinds of preppers. You've probably seen TV shows and heard podcasts where preppers will explain how to survive virtually any situation. You know, I'm kind of like a prepper myself. I keep plenty of water at my home. I keep plenty of food at my home. I'm always thinking ahead about what could go wrong Now, I'm not, certainly not on the level of many of the people that you see on TV and and view and listen to on podcasts, but I do what I can, and I'm getting better and better. You know, I noticed during uh, the Texas snowmageddon that happened in uh, February there, and I have relatives there, I noticed as I watched the news stories, all the people lined up outside Walmart and other places to get water and all of that, none of them were laughing. None of them were happy. But I'll tell you who was breathing a sigh of relief were the people that had looked down the road a little bit, like what would happen if I turned on the the water at my faucet and nothing came out? What would happen if it was contaminated? What would happen if I literally, like in the case of the snow and ice in Texas, They literally could not go to stores. Trucks could not resupply stores. What then if you've only got a day's food supply in your house? So we're all pretty familiar with the idea of prepping and preppers. But I want to talk with you today about a different type of prepper. And possibly you've never thought about this. And I want you to think with me about this today. So we're talking about preppers. And this is the episode for Sunday the 7th of March, 2021. Now, we're going to hear the Lord Jesus Christ give us two parables and then predict a future event that will come to planet Earth. Let's just go right into the parables in Matthew 25, Matthew 25, verses 1 through 46. That's the entire chapter. So here's the first parable. And when he tells these stories, the Jewish people were used to hearing stories like this in the Old Testament that had a meaning to them, because the Lord has spoken to them many times before using the prophets who sometimes use parables and stories. So these are two stories he's going to tell, and they have a meaning behind them. So this would not have been lost on the people listening, or it should not have been. Probably many did miss it. But these were going to be very common experiences to their lives. They would have seen and been part of several times what we're going to hear him talk about. They would have at least known about these things. So he's using their everyday life to tell them a story to make a point they really need to get. So let's see what the Lord says, starting in Matthew 25, verse 1. 
Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Now wait for it. Here's the meaning, and he tells us exactly what the meaning is. Verse 13, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Wow, he uses the imagery of a Galilean wedding where the bride would wait at her her home for the bridegroom to come and take her away to his home. And they didn't know exactly when he was going to come. I think they kind of had a, you know, probably today, could be today, who knows. <laughs> but they didn't know, they, they really didn't know exactly when he was coming. That's the point. But they were to be ready. And so as this procession with the bridegroom came, he would be met by these, uh, we, we might call them today uh, maids of honor, let's say. And they would, uh, they would escort him to the bride-to-be's home where he would take her and then they would all go to the marriage supper back at the bridegroom's home. This, this was a time of great festivity. It was, it was a massively important event in the life and culture of any people in Galilee where the Lord is referring to this type of wedding. And many times when Bible teachers and preachers use this parable, they'll go into much more detail about the bridegroom and the bride and the midnight cry, you know, the bridegroom is coming. And that's not all wrong. I just want to focus on verse 13 because the Lord says what he wants us to get out of this. Watch therefore. For ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Who is that? That's Him. He is the Son of Man. Well, how do I know that? Well, I already know that because we know that from the rest of the Gospels and the rest of the Bible. All right, so there's no question about that. But He's talking about the fact that He is going to return, and we don't know exactly when it will be, but we should be ready. We should watch. We should be like preppers 
for the return of Christ. Well, how do we how do we get ready? Well, we live a life that's pleasing to him and a life that tells other people about the coming of Christ. That's that's what I'm doing today. I'm telling you that the Lord Jesus Christ who was crucified, dead and buried and resurrected again on the third day, literally, physically, I don't care what your liberal preacher or preacherette says, that's, that's what happened. He rose from the dead. That was stunning. He was alive again, <clears throat> and over 500 people witnessed him in his resurrection. They saw him, talked with him, ate with him, listened to him. They saw him ascend, literally, physically, into heaven. They heard the angels tell them, uh, for example, in Acts uh, chapter 1, you can read about it, that he would come again in the same way. Jesus is literally going to return to this earth. And as I've said many times before, he's not coming back to take sides. He's coming back to take over. Now, which side are you on? And are you a prepper for that day? Are you living a life that is watching for the return of Christ? Well, how do I know I should be doing that? Have you got eyes in your head? Can you hear? Can you see? Look around you today. Now, let me say very quickly, I don't know when he's coming back either, but I'm watching for him, and I know a little bit about the Bible and what I'm seeing around me, the push for global government, um, things going on even within nature that are, like, frightening, things going on within government that are frightening. And I see how these line up so clearly with what he said. It would be like just before his return that I think he could be coming sooner than many people think. Now, God is gracious. God could send revival. Everything could come to a complete stop, and his return could be much later. But I just want you to know, you should be watching for the return of Christ. You should be ready. And that's the point of that parable. And that's all I have to say about that, like Forrest Gump might say. <laughs> the wise watch, and they're ready for the return of Christ because they've given their life to Christ. By the shed blood of Christ, their sins are forgiven and cleansed. They're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. They're born again. They're seeking to live for him daily. They're telling others about him. They're watching and they're ready. Are you one of those people? Pastor Ed, I'm not. I mean, the truth is, I'm not like that at all. I don't ever think about the return of the Lord. Hey, Jesus is saying here, the wise watch and they're ready. Take it to heart, my friend. All right, let's see the second parable in Matthew 25. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then 
he that had received the five talents went and traded with them with the same and made them five other talents. Excuse me, I misread that. Let me do that again. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. So he he took those five talents, which was a, a measure of money, and he, he turned it into, um, I guess, what is that? Doubled it, all right? So he doubled that. Verse 17, And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. So he didn't have as much to work with, but he turned that into more as well. Good job for both of them. But verse 18, not so much. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. What? After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. That is, he has an accounting. They have to account for what he had given them to invest and grow. Verse 20. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliveredest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Wow, wouldn't it be great to work for somebody who was like this? Yeah, it would be. Amen. Verse 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliveredest unto me two talents. Behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So these two men, they just did great, right? Verse 24. Here's this sad sack we've already seen right here. Then... He which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Verse 25, uh, 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanger's And then, at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury. Take, therefore, the talent from him, and give it unto unto him which hath ten talents. 
for unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what is the point of this parable? Here's what I think it is. Coupled with the one he told just before that he's going to return and we don't know exactly when. And that same theme is here with this this, uh, Lord that, that gave his uh, these talents to his servants and told them to invest it, take care of this, grow it. And he didn't overwhelm anybody. He gave each one what he knew they could handle, right? He didn't expect um, the guy that he gave one talent to to do what the guy that he gave five talents to. He knew each one and he treated them accordingly. Now, it's interesting to me that he goes away. They don't know when he's going to return, but one day he does. But here's the point. When he returns, there was, and there will be when Jesus returns, an accounting. We will give an account. Now, if we're believers, we will give an account for how we have lived for him and served him. If people have rejected Jesus Christ, they will give an account for the fact that salvation was freely offered to them, but they rejected Christ. They turned away from the offer of grace and mercy. It's interesting to me that the servant here that just buried the money, I mean, come on, it's sort of like the the Lord here in this parable says, you know, if you weren't going to do anything with it, you should have given it to the people who know what to do with it, the exchangers like the the banks, you know, basically people who deal with money, they know what to do with it, and you didn't even do that. You Worse than that, worse than not giving me any growth of this money is you hid it, and in, in essence, I lost money is what it amounts to because, you know, inflation and price changes, the market changes, all of that. So this this guy was a completely worthless servant. Well, notice what happens to him. He's cast into outer darkness. And that is often related in the Lord's stories to hell, to being apart from God. So here's the point. If you're lost today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, what are you waiting for? He's going to return, we don't know when, and you will give an account. And for those who are Christians, we're not worried about our salvation. That's guaranteed, that's certain because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? But we will also give an account for our Christian service in our life to him. And we don't know when he's coming, but we need to be ready for that accounting. Now, those were two stories he told. All of his listeners would have been aware of, of uh, masters and servants and being a steward and managing the estate of a master and, and being commended for doing a great job or being, being punished for being uh, wicked and slothful. And isn't it also interesting how that particular servant 
had such a horrible view of his master. See, the problem was in him, not in the master. And the master throws his words back at him, I, I think. I take it as sarcasm. Oh, oh, you, you knew that I reap where I did not plant and, um, you know, all of that. Uh, you know, and he just throws it right back at him because it wasn't true. This, as we see here, how he rewarded the servants, the two that did a great job, you know, within their own ability, and they had different abilities. They were given a massive responsibility and privileges after that, showing the graciousness of their master. And this guy that buried the money and actually, in essence, lost money for the master, he has such a a despicable view of his master. Now, if you, I don't want to press that too far, but the problem with people who are lost, who don't trust God, don't like God, is the problem is not with God. <laughs> the problem is in their own heart. I said it. So both of those stories referring to masters and servants and handling stewardship and dealing uh, with that, and then the story about the wedding that you know they had seen and been part of many times in their lives and their towns and cities and villages. Those were saying, I'm coming back, and you need to be ready, and oh, by the way, you will give an account. The wise will take that to heart. All right, in verse 31 here of Matthew 25, now, this is not a parable. This is a prediction. He is telling us, now I'm not a betting man, and I hope you don't bet either. But if we were, you could bet a gazillion dollars on this, and you will win. This is going to happen. You know how I know that? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And anybody who rises from the dead, never to die again, who's coming back can predict with certitude exactly what's going to happen. So me, I'm trusting him. I'm with Jesus. How about you? Verse 31. And remember, the Son of Man is Jesus. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory. Well, by the way, only God comes in glory, right? Think about that. This is referring to the fact that the Son of Man, Jesus, is God. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Now, this is what you need to know. They have seen this many times, too. Goats and sheep are often on the same hillsides. But when they are, are put up for the night, you know, for their own protection, they have to be separated. Because goats, I read this in my studies, goats don't stay warm by themselves very much. They've got to be closed up together to, to as a herd of goats, warm each other, all right? Sheep, they don't really have that problem, but they're just very susceptible to predators. So they have to be divided. 
and they have to be um, uh, protected. So that's what he's talking about right here. And the shepherds would just divide them. The sheep would go to the right and the goats to the left. Now, this had been seen by the people who heard this prediction throughout their lives. It was not like, huh, I wonder, I wonder what he's talking about. They'd seen this, I don't know, perhaps daily for all of their whole lives, many of them. Verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you would, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger or thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Wow. What could this ever refer to? Well, let's not make it too complicated. He just told us in verse 46, when he returns and accounts are given for each group of people, whatever accounting is for their group, you know, like how, how Christians served him or how lost people rejected him, and they have to pay for their sin, which they can never do. So there's an eternity in hell for them. This is telling us right here in verse 46. Here's what this means. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Now, I don't want to go too far into this yet, but when the Lord comes in the second coming of Christ to take over the earth, to take charge after the tribulation, the first thing that happens is the judgment of those who somehow were able to live through the tribulation. There will be multitudes and multitudes who are lost. They received the mark of the beast. They loved and worshiped the beast. In essence, they loved Satan. And those who refused the mark, who 
loved the Lord Jesus Christ and became Christians in a very difficult time in history, the worst time in history, the tribulation. And somehow they weren't beheaded. Somehow they lived through it. So now when Christ returns to the earth, you've got a population because millions have died in the plagues and judgments of the tribulation, right? But here you've got people who somehow made it through. Many are lost, many are saved. The lost cannot go into the kingdom, the new kingdom, the thousand-year millennial kingdom that the king has come back to set up, where for a thousand years he displays his righteousness for everyone to see. So those who have refused Christ and they've loved the beast, they are sent to hell. It says it right there in this prediction. It's right there. Those who love the Lord and they are glad to see Him now, they are Christians, they go into life eternal. Now, this is not the great white throne judgment where all the dead of the world are judged. That's... um, that is after this, but this is a special judgment, and it appears to be related to how people treated the Jewish people, the brethren of Christ, in the tribulation, because the Jews will be completely hated during the tribulation period. And if you're... uh, you know, take care of a Jewish person in the name of Christ, that's like doing the same thing for the Lord Jesus Christ during this period. So I don't want to get too deep into that because my main point is verse 46. Let me read it again. Now listen, right now, there's no in-between, no middle ground. Right now, this minute, if you were to uh, just set aside the Lord's return for a moment, if you were to pass away, if you were to die today, tonight, before the this next week is over, within a month, within the next year, if you were to die, you're in one group or the other right now. You're either with the sheep those who believe in Christ and you will go into life eternal according to Jesus or you are currently right now because you are not a Christian. You may even go to church or some other religious you know, uh, institution, be part of some religion, one of the world religions or even one of the denominations in America. You may be Catholic or Um, for example, you may be Hindu. I don't know what you are. I'm glad you're listening. You're, if, if you are not born again, if Jesus Christ is not really your Savior, you're in the group that will 
go into everlasting punishment. I do not want to see that happen to you. And you know, and I say this with love, I, I don't say this humorously or facetiously, you don't want to see that happen to you either. You say, well, Pastor Ed, I don't believe that. I was taught a different thing. Well, if you were taught something else, you were taught wrong. We just read what Jesus Christ said. Two parables and this prediction, and it draws on the imagery of the shepherd and the sheep that they were well acquainted with. But it is a literal prediction that he's coming back, there will be an account, and people will go to heaven or hell. But if, regardless of when he comes back, if you were to pass away now, you're going to heaven or hell. Now listen, I want you to come to Christ. I'm going to give you a phone number you can call to be counseled about how to become a Christian. Here it is, 877 247 24 One more time. Write it down. You're not going to remember it. 877-247-2426. You know, with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out. Instead of following Satan and the Antichrist and and being condemned to an eternal hell like these goats are in this last prediction we saw, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven and a wonderful eternity with him. 877-247-2426. Well, Pastor Ed, I've just done too much. He would never receive me. You're wrong. When you repent of your sin and turn to Christ, he, in fact, he said he would not turn away anybody who comes to him. Did you know that? That's my paraphrase, but that's what he said. You can even go to chataboutjesus.com, chataboutjesus.com, and by chat, anonymously, you can discuss this with someone. Now, I need your help. I need your help a lot. Because of the content of this podcast, I'm on the the hit list. I'm probably on a hit list for real. (laughs) Because I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative, and I love the Lord, and I I know what the score is, and I know what's going on. Well, they can't have folks like me telling the truth. Truth is the most dangerous thing today. It's toxic. And if you tell truth, you're an enemy. You're an enemy of the globalists, big tech, big state, big gov, deep state, all of that. I wear it as a badge of honor, but I need your help. I'm being shadow banned. How you found this today is a miracle. I need you to share this episode with others right from your app, you know, where you're listening. You can share it. Let other people know about This Week in the Word. Tell them how to find dredhill.podbean.com. 
They need to hear this truth about what's next. So you could share it. You could send it uh, the link in an email to an email list. You could, I guess you could text it out. Uh, you could put it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Hey, get the word out. Let people know. Let people who are lost know about it. Let the saved and Christians know about it so they can grow. I need your help. Be a missionary with me and share this. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow it. And you'll be told every time a new episode is posted. There's 129 free episodes on This Week in the Word at dredhill.podbean.com. You can listen to every one of them and share every one of them. God bless you. Have a great week. In Jesus' name.